following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 41 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how you doing? Ah, my brain is being flooded with old memories. The Frankie Valley concert I went to yesterday. My wife getting me to dance a polka at a beer hall. That time I met Bob Murphy and Gary Cohen, my evil second grade teacher who moved my desk next to hers, seeing Flash Gordon in the movie theater as a little kid. Brain overloading. I was just going to say, when it comes to this mind wiping stuff, I'm not going to lie, I could use a dusting of that. Because uh, I'm the sort of person that if like anything embarrassing or frustrating happens, I will obsess over it. And uh, I was like, eh, I, I wouldn't mind a little etch-a-sketch thing happening there. But uh, what I don't want to forget is our wonderful guests who are here with us for the, 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 to finish up their, their time with us. Really excited to have Rick and Julia Ingham back. Guys, how are you? They are the Ming Empire. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. They will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to their own. Your culture will adapt to service them. Resistance is futile. Ooh, another uh, cross-genre reference. Nice. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if the Borg actually said that, too. After going through this whole thing, you're like, hey. <laughs> it would really help them to be a lot more personable. They might be able to have a bit more success in assimilating people if they were just a little bit more friendly. Yeah, the Borg need a PR department. Yeah, gift baskets. Mm, Yes. Resistance is futile. Here is some very delicious chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> some nice lotion to take care of your skin, because all that metal up against skin, it's not good all the time. No. Resistance yeah. is futile, but we have a great dental plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, Rick and Julia Ingham from... Uh, Mad Max Minute, and it's been great having you, and uh, looking forward to, this is this is a scary minute. Um, And and this is what I feel is the first time this movie has been, and Flash Gordon's a lot of stuff. It's funny, it's campy, it's it's, it's, with satisfying action, and a a likable hero, but this was actually some disturbing stuff. Um... And it's, it's the first time it really felt creepy. Yeah, we've seen some really good scenes with Ming and how he can be charming and yet menacing at the same time. Here with Clytus and Kala, it's just straight up creepy. Yeah, definitely. So, so, so Eric, w- walk us through what happens in minute 41. Yeah, uh, before we get into the actual images of the mind wipe itself, um, as you just mentioned, you know, we got Clytus and Kala. So first... Uh, this is Kala's introduction in the movie. We heard her voice earlier on, but this is now we see the face. And I got to say, in a movie of insane costume design, this is one of the most insane because as a kid, I found her face so comical in this headdress. It's like she's a floating face because it's a perfect cutout. You don't see her hair. You barely see her chin. There's just 
crazy headpiece on her. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely insane. I love her hand gestures as she's uh, slowly telling Zarkov what she's going to do. And she gives this evil pause. Doctor just did a little mocking thing, just such derision for him. Uh, and then we got Clytus, who's Mr. Nonchalant, because he's just like, oh, we're just emptying your mind. I mean, he wasn't even going to tell Zarkov if Zarkov hadn't asked him. It's great introduction to Kala, uh, played by Mariangela Mulatto. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. And I, and I, I know usually when uh, a new character pops up, I give all kinds of detail on the new character and the actor, but this minute's going to be so dense with the mind wipe, I, I'm, I'm I'll push the majority of that to a different minute. It's funny. She passed away in 2013 at the age of 71. So she was only 40 or so in this. Looks so much old. <laughs> yeah. If you would have told me she was 60 in that scene, I would believe you. Yeah. And then if you look at pictures of, she is a stunningly beautiful woman. Yeah. And Wait, you, you thought she it. looked older in this? Yeah. I disagree. Wow. Yeah. I found her very striking. Like with even with just her face visible, I, I I don't think I even see a single line on that face. She's very almost porcelain. I would agree with that. I just guess it's the way she carried herself, um, and the fact that they really hit her face and their hair. I mean, so you would only see you know only see her face where they you know hit her hair and um, her body, um, and, and I guess there's also maturity. Just by the fact that all the other women in the movie this far have been walking around in like uh, bikinis uh, covered in gauze, so perhaps there's a maturity uh, from her being the the only person covered up. But uh, yeah, I but it's interesting. But yeah, a stunningly beautiful woman. Um, so it was uh, a good introduction, and some weird stuff with her and Clytus. Uh, yeah, coming up in a I think is that t- is that the next minute? There's a little bit of him. I think he he stroked her face or grabbed her. There was a little bit of touching her face, not real deep creepiness. Oh, but maybe or or perhaps uh, you're right. Maybe it is the next minute. Oh, crap. That's why I don't do the recaps. Eric, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> real crazy parts of the movie. The 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 the, the, the we get the the first half or so of the Zarkov memory wipe and. I, uh, in true movie-by-minute fashion, I watched this scene almost frame-by-frame to make sure that we cover every single image, because this is just such an insane thing. There Uh, really is no other way to watch it. Yeah, and I'm just (laughs) glad that my wife did not see me do this, because obviously she knows I host this podcast, she knows I'm a sci-fi geek, but I think if she had seen me pouring over this scene like this and the amount of time it took me to do it, I, I really think that she would have really thought things. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get too far into the actual mind wipe, I love the comment that Kala makes about we're going to empty your mind like we empty your pockets. And I have to wonder, before they invented the mind wipe technology, is that the strategy they used on prisoners? That they would just turn out their pockets and collect <laughs> whatever they find? And then after however many years of only finding like dryer lint loose change and the uh, the occasional stick of gum they said you know we got to really figure out a better way of doing this <laughs> <laughs> well it, it was such a great malevolent line from her where she's so nonchalant and and what made this scene so creepy is she knows this is going to destroy uh, Zarkov. 
she knows how painful this will be to him. And saying it so nonchalant is like, oh, well, we're just going to empty your mind like we would your pockets. Uh, that That is literally the, the most painful way that she, she could say this to him. And uh, it, it's very effective. And just th- there's no anger. There's no there's nothing over the top about it. It's just a very subtle taunting of it. And it's uh, it's very effective. Yeah, I think it's also her movements add to the scene. She almost glides. She doesn't really step. She kind of moves like a dancer, which being an Italian actress, I imagine there was some sort of dance training in her <laughs> in her classical training. But she just the way she moves, it's very smooth. And it just almost reminds me of a like a a large cat or a reptile stalking prey yeah it's almost uh, it's like the river dance it's like her legs are moving but her whole upper half is it's just like gliding along and because of the way the shot is with where the platform is you don't see her legs so it really looks like she's just kind of sliding across the screen uh, they make fantastic use of the costumes and uh yeah it, it, and just such an otherworldly, creepy um, vibe to her. So uh, I, I'm, I'm digging the Kala character. And uh, it, it, it's it's interesting where there's so many great bad guys in here already and so many great characters in the movie. Uh, sl- sliding someone in so cool in minute 41. Uh, and, and, you know, our first real introduction to her, as you said, we did hear her voice, did hear her voice before. Uh, really impressive that they're able to sort of shoehorn in another great character in this film. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, threat to Zarkov's existence here, and I I sure hope he's able to pull out of thin air some sort of weird oddball strategy for resisting <laughs> the mind wipe. I mean, who knows what's going to happen later on in this movie. We'll, yeah, I can't, we'll see. I, I can't imagine how he's going to overcome this in the future. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, just... Pulling this out of thin air, there's no way it could possibly involve the Beatles. Surely not. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. How are you going to work a Beatles reference into this movie? There's no way. Uh, so so we're we're in the mind wipe. Uh, and I know we're, we're going to go over this in pretty good detail. Uh, there's just two things i got to call out first. I'm so happy to see Munson again. I miss Munson. <laughs> yeah, it's Porkins. Porkins. And also... Why? There's tigers here. It's, it's just breaking stuff up. There's, uh, all of a sudden, there's tigers. And it's like, eh, tigers. Doesn't seem to really tie into stuff, so... But, hey, I like tigers. Yeah, the tigers seem to pop up exclusively when he's thinking about NASA and the moon landing and space exploration in general. All right, so, so Eric, this is your time to shine. Uh, <laughs> walk us through... Uh, walk us through the, the mind wipe. All right. And I, I want to say, uh, uh, Julia and Rick, good for you uh, getting this minute because this, this mind wipe is one of the two most requested scenes when we <laughs> ask people what scene they want to guest on. You guys, Excellent. You guys, scored, you guys really scored with this one. So as uh, as Brad said, we start out the first match of Zarkov's life here. Munson, indeed, in his lab, goofing around with Zarkov, is the first shot that we lose. So... Brad, you might have been happy, actually, to get to see Munson again, but this means they're removing Munson's memory, the memory of Munson, from Zarkov. Zarkov will not remember Munson. I am looking at a still of this memory, and it's specifically of Zarkov 
with Munson standing behind him, and he's reaching up, and he's cupping Munson's head in his hands. Yes. And I've got to wonder about that relationship between the two of them. I mean, Munson more or less tried to abandon Zarkov there at the end, but you almost wonder if they had some sort of weird, unrequited tension between them that was rots because of or brought about because of their, you know, relative isolation and the very intense conditions that they were working under. You know, I'm not saying it was like a Brokeback Mountain situation, but they seem really close. And I'm looking at the expressions on these faces, and they seem like they had something special. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, well, I'm sorry. Eric, what else? Uh, what are some other memories or that we see here? Well, then our, our next shot is just some standard shots of circuit boards and control panels. And so once we move past that, uh, we have Zarkov talking to some generic armed forces person. He's got a model of a spaceship, and he's clearly demonstrating that he's predicting an attack. You hear him actually say the words, it's an attack, from earlier in his movie. And to me, I, <laughs> the demonstration of flying the space shuttle in front of the guy, it's completely unnecessary. I think it was an excuse for Zarkov to play with a toy, because why do you actually have to show, <laughs> this is what a shuttle looks like flying through the air. I'm more actually more concerned by the fact that Zarkov is running around this office with his shirt untucked. Oh, and his tie is too short. Also. Yeah. yeah. Like, I present yourself, dude. Well, <laughs> I think it's representative of him coming unhinged. Yeah. When you stop taking those few moments at the beginning of the day for yourself to really <laughs> put yourself together, that's when you know things are going awry. Uh, a, a poorly made tie... Uh, especially when you have the distance, right? That, that always makes me crazy, and uh, my wife will attest to this. Uh, there have been days where I, uh, and I'm lucky. I haven't had to wear a tie for work for quite a while now, but I did work two jobs where a tie was required, and my wife will attest I would just... some. There were some days where I just couldn't get the length right, and I would make and remake my tie, like, usually sometimes, sometimes two or three times just to try to get it right, because if it was just a little off, uh, it, it would just eat at me. Now, Eric, I'm looking at another still. There is, in amongst the portion of this mind wipe where Sarkov is talking to this military official, there is a still of someone who, it's very close up in on their face, and it almost looks like there's something stuck in their eye. Uh, we'll get to him, because there's, 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 there's creepy stuff even before that guy. Oh, great. Yeah. Stuff I so, missed. <laughs> the, the first weird shot that we get, and again, you know, these are things that are on screen for like half a second. So, I mean, if you're not watching it, you know, like this, you're not, I don't, I don't even think this stuff is registering. First, we get some kind of scientist looking guy pointing some kind of science-y looking things. I, 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 I know that's a horrible description for people who are listening to something <laughs> without the picture in front of them, but it, it's the best that I could do. Whatever, that doesn't even matter because the next thing is the really creepy thing. It's two people with hoods on like, mm -hmm. and, and some creepy ski masks. And I don't know what the connection would be to Zarkov's life, but it is such a creepy still. Creepy still. And I don't think this one I ever noticed until I did this for this minute. It almost looks like something out of an Arctic yes. research facility yes. or something. Yes, but it's but creepy Arctic research, though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to make of that. Then we get to some more circuit boards, and we get to this guy that you were talking about. It's a close-up of the top half of a man's face. He's got something on his head. I don't know what it is. He's got, like, a, maybe it's a microscope beneath his eyes. 
but it also looks like something is ejecting out of his right eye. And there's a shadow. Yeah. I have an idea about this. Okay. Please, so, please. So there is a verse in in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, that says, And why beholdest thou the mote in that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Okay. So it's the it's the parable that that goes with the the commonly quoted verse judge not that you be not judged. So having okay. the the beam in your own eye and then going to someone else and saying, "Hey, you've got something in your eye." when you really should be paying attention to yourself. So I wonder if that idea, that concept, you know, bit him in the butt at some point. Or this image is how he envisions the officials at NASA who are dismissing his theories. He sees them as having a beam in their eye, and yet they are criticizing him for the moat that might be in his eye. Yes, I like it. And then that can work with the two creepy guys with the masks, as he can view his NASA superiors as these just, you know, faceless people who are pulling his strings, telling him, Bring your work in, do your job, uh, you know, when that's not what he wants to do. I, I, I just, this is why it's so awesome having Rick and Julia. Julia is br- literally bringing Bible verses into this. <laughs> <The> Flash Gordon! <laughs> so happy to have you guys here. Uh, this has been an amazing week, and uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 we've had amazing guests, and they all bring something cool. Uh, you know, uh, we, 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 we found out that, uh, uh, some crazy interplays where, uh, my, my life intersected with Crystal Beth, uh, that I just put, uh, that is about ready to go out, uh, as this episode is being recorded. Uh, we've had Jarf and, uh, some, just some other incredible guests, but, uh, but no one has actually brought the Bible up during this. So, uh, so <laughs> it's a first for me, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we're past that. Then we get a close-up of another person who's got safety goggles on with the gla- his, his glasses on underneath the goggles looking intently at something. Uh, so, you know, standard science guy. Mm-hmm. Then we go back to Zarkov arguing with the armed forces guy again. And I gotta say, this armed forces guy stands out to me because he, he appears in uh, one more shot in this montage. All three shots he's in, he is so incredibly stoic. Whatever actor this guy is, his face is just, it's just a, a stone wall. And it's almost like they told him, listen, you know, we've got to portray that Zarkov is nuts and that, you know, nobody was listening to him. So you make sure you stand there like you're just like, okay, yeah, whatever you want. And the guy just, he, he just did not move a single muscle on his face. Very impressive. The trouble with memories is that they're not accurate. Our, our memories change over time based on our feelings about those memories and suggestions from the outside can even change what we actually remember to be the truth. So we're seeing these events from Zarkov's point of view. Right. So his point of view is that this military guy is stiff and cold and has no personality and no heart and no imagination. So I, who knows what reality is? Sure. Did you ever? Um, no, I'm going to pull out my my weird knowledge here. Uh, <laughs> did, did anybody ever read uh, "The Night of the Gun" by David Carr? No. Not familiar with it. 
wonderful book, and David Carr was uh, an excellent journalist. He passed away probably two, three years ago, and he decided he was going to write his autobiography. But being a reporter, um, he decided that he was actually going to basically investigate his own memories um, and just found out how – and he had uh, some pretty profound drug issues uh, earlier in his life. And it was during this interview that he just found out how wildly inaccurate his own memory was. So uh, the title of the book, The Night of the Gun, and it's an excellent book, uh, referred to there was this one night where he was he, he was in the throes of his drug issue, got into an argument with uh, a friend of his, and he's like, eh, the guy pulled a gun on me, and uh, you know I and I wasn't going to back off, and finally I did back off because he had a gun. What am I supposed to do? He interviewed the guy, and he's like. What are you talking about? You're the one who brought the gun and you dropped it. And <laughs> he was like, oh. And then, of course, when confronted with that and realizing that he was probably in a drug, uh, drug-induced drug stupor, he's like, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I had a gun. I was actually holding a gun and I was so zonked out that I dropped it. And so it, it, it goes sort of what Julia was saying. It's like, it's amazing how badly your memories can be uh, short-circuited because of color by uh, time, perception, your feelings about it. And also, we all have the desire to see ourselves as the hero of our story. So, uh, it, it's sometimes we're just not honest from that perspective. So, it, it'd be interesting to see how what really played out as with a more reliable narrator than Zarkov. Yeah, so, absolutely. Eric, what's the, what's, what's the next memory? All right, so now we have a, a bunch of different images uh, fleshed together. We have the famous Buzz Aldrin photo from the first moon landing. We have a spacewalk. We have a patch of Apollo 11, a shot of Earth. And, as Brad alluded to before, a clo- some close-ups of tigers screeching. Why the, why the freaking tigers? Oh, I, oh, I, I don't know oh, what the I hell's going out. on there. I, I think don't I figured get that. it out. I don't oh, 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 right. Julia, you've been doing well. Come on, help us out. Okay. Well, I just Googled NASA and tiger. <laughs> and it came up with this term that I've actually heard from West Wing, go figure, of uh, this idea of a tiger team where you have a problem you need to solve. So you gather people who can help you solve it and you form yourself a tiger team. And that idea, that concept, and calling it a tiger team started at NASA. Oh, for the love of God. So this group of tigers is literally a tiger team. That's the thing with this movie. A day or two ago, we talked about the late uh, in an instance of lazy writing, and then they actually, but, but then you have this minute where they went into incredible detail that no one would ever get because there weren't no Google in 1980. This is such an inside baseball term. Wow! Yeah, that you would never expect them to throw it out. But I and I don't believe this is an accident. I don't believe it's us just. Like by coincidence, finding answer that makes perfect sense. Why it was in that? Why it was in that montage? Yeah, I can imagine he was part of many tiger teams. Thirty-five years of confusion have just been shattered in me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. Gosh, we're just destroying people's perceptions and rebuilding them up. <laughs> you know, Eric, we're on the right of the hills of this one. We are on the right of hills. Or wait, or wait a minute. Or are we not on the? I already lost track of what was it. The, you want to be on the right of hills, or you don't want to be on the right of hills. You want to be on the right of hills. Okay, so we are on the right of hills. Okay. Guys, that was uh, that, that that was one of our crazy episodes where uh, in the one minute Ming said uh, 
uh, are they on the right pills? And our guest was convinced this his entire <laughs> life that he was saying, are, are they on the right of the hills? He's like, I think that must be a British expression. It's like, <laughs> and we had to break it to him. <laughs> we really blew his mind on that one. Oh, it was, it was crushing. <sighs> okay, so now we know that, that, that it's a tiger team, and we... we the flashback to NASA, and it was off. Uh, it was obvious that NASA was very important to him, and shows a great amount of pride. Right, and and then and of course the next shot, we hear Zarkov scream, "I resign to the Stoic Armed Forces guy." So that takes care of NASA. Right, you can't fire me because I quit. All right, and what's next, Eric? So now we get to the newspaper headline. Um, oh, the newspaper. Yeah, and this <laughs> this is what spent up this this newspaper took up most of my the bulk of the time in, in dissecting this. So the headline says space scientist fired and it's got a picture of Zarkov. That's obviously the only thing a freak who does not pour over this movie like I did is going to see when you're watching this movie. But if you have the ability to pause this and make the image larger, then you can delve into this newspaper and there's some wacky stuff going on here. Because if this tiger theory is right, and the amount of detail they put into that is the exact opposite of the detail they put into this newspaper page. <laughs> the first paragraph actually is about Zarkov leaving NASA. Um, so they, they, they actually put something legitimate in there. And it even includes the phrase, his explosive outbursts are legendary, uh, to refer to Zarkov, which I found humorous. However... The text in the rest of the article about Zarkov is about a dog leash law in Wellesley, Massachusetts. The article on the right is also about that leash law. Mm-hmm. The article on the left is about a market report on durable goods that lasts a few paragraphs, but then after that, again, it uses one of the leash law paragraphs. So, the prop master that made this, or the designer who made this, whoever made it, did not intend for people... 40 years later, to be poring over this and studying the work. But if you're going to go to the trouble of actually creating that first paragraph about Zarkov actually legitimately was about him, then what happened on the rest of this graphic with the dog leash law and the market reports and nothing else about Zarkov? And Uh, it's not just that it's an article about a dog leash law. It's that the tone of the writing is so drastically different in those last two paragraphs that we can see in that center article. From the first one. Yes. I mean, you go from that first paragraph talking about heated discussions and explosive outbursts, and then the second and third paragraphs include words like brouhaha. And <laughs> I love that word. Such and a great big word. city type problems. You know? <laughs> yes. They actually have the words dog do as part of the article. <laughs> Not too many people do that. Uh, quick side note: Wellesley, Mass does not have a leash law. Uh, so then it did not. It didn't pass. Didn't there pass. You know, did not pass. Now what? I don't know my Massachusetts geography. How close is Wellesley to Boston? Wellesley I don't is know either. about <laughs> Wellesley. Well, uh, Wellesley is seventeen point three miles east, uh, due west of Boston. It takes about thirty three minutes if you exit the city on Route ninety. Okay, it's a suburb then. Okay. Yeah, it's. Not, you don't have to go all the way out to Marlboro or something like that. You can, it's actually pretty close to Natick in Framingham, so it's not that bad. Just south of Waltham. Uh, uh, everything you just said, I, I okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Sam, yeah. Nate Am, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. take you take ninety out uh you take ninety west past ninety five and then you're gonna take the uh the exit over by the the Martin Memorial Golf Course, go down through uh Wellesley Lower Falls down uh Route sixteen and that'll take you right into Wellesley. I feel like I'm in that old Saturday Night Live sketch about uh, where Phil Hartman says, sorry, I can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got the newspaper. And then uh, a few more, just there's a few more shots left in this minute of the mine wipe. We get some generic shots of uh, Air Force and Navy jets. Uh, we get a shot of a wooden toy jet, which I found humorous considering my comment about Zarkov playing with the space shuttle toy earlier uh, we get some shots of factories that are building bombers and jets and commercial planes. Uh, and the last shot of the minute, we see Zarkov and a woman happily walking in a grass area. And I, I hate to be, be the one of bad news, but I don't think next minute uh, we're going to find out that things work out too well. Yeah, don't get too attached to this woman. Yeah, this woman, don't get too attached to her. <laughs> well, it, and it's sort of a thing where this is where... And as I said before, this is sort of a crushing scene because, uh, aside from aside from the fact of how desperately Zarkov didn't want this to happen, and saying you know his his mind's all he has, and which makes complete sense because this is a guy who the pursuit of knowledge is very important to him. Um, but then, so so that's crushing. But then, just the idea of having this woman who you sort of assume, if, if it's this important in his memories, this is the love of his life. And having his memories of these happy moments with her taking away, uh, that's really a uh, sort of dark thing. And uh, 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 a storyline, basically, it's almost like they took this like one second and turned it into the movie uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, because that was mm. what that film was about. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a scary thing for people, and... Um, uh, this is before the era of um, our understanding of the real profound issues of um, Alzheimer's and things like those nature, because that that's something that is really scary to people is like having those memories taken away. And that's sort of what made this whole scene unnerving to me. Uh, just the thought of you know, the love of his life is being taken away from him, as well as the knowledge that he accrued and the things that he's proud of. And, you know, nobody wants months and taken away from them. <laughs> you know, and as we're talking, it's make, it makes me, you mentioned Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It, it's making me think of, I can't remember if it was the comic book or the cartoon, but G.I. Joe from back in the 80s had something where they went into uh, Snake Eye's brain. Cobra went into Snake Eye's brain and were literally the dreadnoughts. I have this image of the dreadnoughts like literally destroying, physically destroying memories in some kind of simulacrum of Snake Eye's brain and just literally removing his memories. It's an effective plot line because, um, you know, our experiences and our memories, uh, it's sort of what makes us up. And, uh, and and I joked around earlier, it's like, hey, I wouldn't mind a mind wipe of some things. But uh, there, there's some certainly some precious memories that uh, I, I can't imagine losing. And uh, it, it could be a really horrible thought. You can only hope that all of these memories and information that they're pulling from Zarkov's head are going to be well archived and protected somewhere. <laughs> to, to quote Munson... They'll have it taken care of by top men. <laughs> Who? Top men. <laughs> Another cross-reference. Oh, dear. <laughs> and I would like to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, every minute by minute, and really in any podcast where you have people partnered up, it's always interesting to see who brings what to the scenario. And, uh, you know, with 
of Flash Gordon Minute, uh, I, uh, I I bring the technical expertise, and uh, I, I'm pretty good at setting up Eric. And Eric, he just knows Flash Gordon so well, and uh, so so he brings the knowledge, and I, I bring a little of the uh, the technical know-how. Um, you know, I think we've heard uh, a little bit of uh, your Rick and Julia, your guys. Uh, sort of own personalities and how you interact with each other, but but how would you describe it? Like you know, sort of what do you feel your roles are on uh, Max Mad Max Minute? Rick definitely brings the logic and the knowledge, and Julia is more of the emotion and um, examination. We're pretty much the right and left hemispheres of a brain, and we make up that central nervous system of the podcast. Yeah, and it's you know it's, it's fun to hear you guys interact, and uh, it, it's I always find it real interesting to to hear how uh, different podcasts work that out. And the the worst thing you could do is have two people that do the same thing. And uh, you know we always try to find people with different voices. And Eric and I, you know, we definitely bring different uh, strengths to to it and uh, complement each other real well. And you guys do it so damn well. And well, thank I, you, thank you very much. It's been a real joy having you guys with us this week. So, so Eric, that so so we end on uh, Zarkov in love, which is just sort of an interesting look. Uh, him smiling that lovingly towards, towards this beautiful woman. Um, what else do we have from this minute? That, that that's the minute. I mean, I'm 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 glad this memory wipe was split up over two weeks. To be honest with you, so because if I had had to do the whole memory wipe frame by frame thing in one setting, it, it would have blown my brain. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh rick and julie anything else uh from uh this minute or, or from this movie that you wanted to call out i have a little nugget that i want to mention i was thinking about the newspaper article from his memory and how it brought up wellesley and the leash laws there is a famous college in wellesley mass called wellesley college that has a particularly good astrophysics program oh no kidding and they have an alumni who actually worked on the Cassini mission for NASA. Nice. So I put forward that Zarkov went to Wellesley. And that's why the Wellesley newspaper had an article that one of their one of their own was fired from NASA. Because otherwise, who cares? Plenty of people are fired from NASA all the time. It doesn't make the paper. I, I like that idea, although apparently this Zarkov getting kicked out of NASA was all over the place because in the early minutes, Dale was like, it, Dale's like, oh, that's the crazy guy from NASA. I got fired from NASA. and That's right. And then and it was met, on the, the news. news. They, yeah, the newscaster's talking about it also, right? Okay, well, then that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go back to good Sigmund Freud. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, guys. Uh, this has been an amazing uh, This has been an amazing week. Uh, you, you guys have uh, brought the goods like we knew you were going to. Um, one last time, uh, tell people where they can find out more about Mad Max Minute. Well, the Mad Max Minute home is madmaxminute.com. We're also on Facebook by searching Mad Max Minute. We're on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. We have a lovely listener page on Facebook called Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. And if you're looking at if you're looking for a good jumping on point or at least a a little taste of what the podcast is like, might I recommend 
going on our website and looking for the Road Warrior Minute number 55. It's an episode called How is the Rig? And you might recognize a familiar voice on that. And uh, and then you can you know, either go back and look at our older episodes or just join us for Beyond Thunderdome, which we're going to be starting very soon as of this recording, probably already happening a couple of weeks in by the time this actually drops. Yeah, you'll be uh, probably a good month into it, so I recommend everyone go back and uh, listen up. Is you know, a binge, 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 binge. Listen. <laughs> Take a nice long car ride, Eric. What? Where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Well, we're on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. We like to talk to you on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. Vortex. Whew, look for us there. It's been a long week. Uh, or send us an email, flashcordaminute at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we uh, recommend you do so. Uh, Jarf, uh, our producer, he does a great job of uh, posting and keeping our uh, social media up to date. And, uh, you know, it's uh, he does a great job, and we have a lot of fun doing this. Eric, as I always like to do at the end of the week, i got to thank you for uh, this, was all, uh, this was all you're doing. Uh, Flash Gordon Minute would not exist without you, and I have such a great time doing it, man. Oh, listen, they couldn't exist without you either, because you're the one who, who does everything. You, you, you know, I might be talking, but no one would hear me talk if it wasn't for you, man. You, you'd just be a guy mumbling to himself on the... Uh, <laughs> I'd be on, on the, the subway sub- in the morning. Uh, Wellesley, dog leash law, what, what's the Zarka? What the hell, what's that about? What, what? But, but still not the craziest talking to himself guy on the subway, right? Oh, maybe that would make me like fifth or sixth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been a fantastic week. Uh, I'm so happy to be doing this. But it's uh, well, I, I just uh, I, I I do have a, a problem. Uh, and, and Eric, I'm really worried about it. Well, lay your problems on my shoulder. As has already been discussed, this is uh, our last last recording in Geppetto Studios in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania. Uh, on uh, this coming Tuesday, we're uh, moving to New Freedom, Pennsylvania, which is only three miles down uh, down the road from us. But uh, we're going to have uh, this wonderful new recording studio. But the problem is, we got to pack everything up in uh, in uh, we got to pack everything up in all the studio, all of our equipment. And uh, you know, I'm afraid it's going to turn into the the movie uh, moving. With Richard Pryor and God, Eric, what happens if I lose Geppetto Studios? Well, if you if you're not shrewd enough when you're packing up in Shrewsbury and you feel like you're going to lose all your freedom once you get to New Freedom, uh, listen, maybe Richard Pryor will become will drive by and then 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 he'll he'll help with your stuff. I you know who can say? But either way, it doesn't matter because Flash will save every one of us. Next week, Travis Bow of Watchmen Minute joins us as Princess Aura takes Flash on a rocket ship ride to remember. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash Gordon Minute.
Come 